Welcome into Wildcat Country, your daily Kentucky podcast from SEC Country. I'm your host, Curtis Birch, joined today by Kyle Tucker, SEC Country columnist, basketball beat writer, and I guess right now, your decision on Decision Watch constantly, 247, for everybody in all levels of basketball. That's right. High school, college, NBA, uh, G League, we're, we're on it. Um, yeah, it's been a crazy, been a crazy couple of weeks. Going to be a crazy another week or two probably as these decisions come down and uh, Kentucky's roster gets remade again. So um, we'll just I'll just basically give the rundown of what I'm doing. We're recording here on Monday night. I'm gonna we're gonna do two podcasts. Uh, one on guys coming in, and then the second one on guys that have decided to leave the program. The first one will be posted on Tuesday. The one after that will be on Wednesday because I'm traveling, so we're going to do these both tonight with Kyle. So, Kyle, I think I said we're going to talk about the guys that are coming in first, so we'll do that. Um, <laughs> EJ Montgomery, was this as big a surprise to you as it kind of was to everybody else? I woke up and was completely confused. I thought I was in, like, a fever dream for a minute or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, maybe not a surprise that he picked Kentucky, a little bit of a surprise that he picked Kentucky. But it, I think they were picking up some steam. But definitely a surprise that he went ahead and pulled the trigger. I mean, all the talk recently was that this feels like a guy who might take it, you know, deep into the spring. You know, he may make may make people wait. Um, but um, yeah, I, mean, I was actually uh, at a uh, at a doctor's appointment with my wife um, uh, earlier today, and uh, was waiting on her actually, and doing some work on another story and completely didn't see, I mean, it was an early morning appointment. Uh, and then we got in the car and drove home and I got home and like pulled up, pulled my phone out and, and it was like, Oh, they just got a, the best recruit in the class, uh, their best recruit in the class. And I, yeah, that part of it was very surprising coming off guard, pretty much caught everybody off guard. Um, and, but, but it makes more sense um, after you kind of understand how things unfolded. So, uh, I got EJ's high school coach on the phone, uh, Larry Thompson from uh, Wheeler High School. Um, you know, and, and he had some really interesting comments. I have a story up at seccountry.com slash Kentucky uh, on kind of how Kentucky beat uh, Duke for this kid, uh, EJ Montgomery's 10. Forward, I think he's as high as number six overall in the class by 247. He's 12th, I think, in the composite the highest rank recruit in the class for Kentucky. Um, and it's really pretty simple math and it makes really makes a lot of sense. He said uh, that Duke was his leader for a long time. And he was, I think that was the overwhelming pick for Montgomery in the crystal ball. Uh, everybody had picked Duke. Uh, a few more had started to come around to Kentucky, but it was still, I think 75% as of this morning for Duke. Um, but he said after the McDonald's game, that kind of changed uh, because he was around both Kentucky guys and Duke's guys. Uh, and I think one thing he learned about the situation from being around and practicing with him, playing with him, um, Duke has signed the number one, two, and three recruits in the country. As a lot has been written about that, we've talked about it. Um, and they're all six, seven-ish uh, forwards. Um, R.J. Barrett is kind of more of like a point forward. Um, Cam Reddish is kind of your traditional wing. Um, and then you've got Zion Williamson, who's kind of like a shrunken down you know, NBA power forward or center. 
at six foot seven and 250 ish pounds. Um, and, and his coach basically said, uh, he had some concern about what he called the Zion situation, which is, is he a four? Is he a five? Where is he going to play? Uh, is he going to be the guy spot that EJ wants to play in college, which is he wants to be that stretch four. Um, I think he's on the opportunity to play some five. I think he can play both for Kentucky. Um, but that kind of scared him off after being around those guys at the McDonald's game. And then he was also around the Kentucky guys, and, and those were the guards getting him the ball. Kentucky made a quick uh, um, Keldon Johnson. I think he had some relationship with Tyler Hero, who's not at the McDonald's game, but they, I think, uh, knew each other and communicated some. Um, and so, you know, after weighing all that, and then Cal Perry came in and did a uh, home visit over the weekend uh, with Hello, Kyle. Did a story on him. We yep. lost you there for a minute. Did I? Oh, where, where did you lose me? I'm sorry about that. Um, you're talking about how there was something about a story. I, I don't know exactly. About five sec, five or ten seconds there. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, actually, one thing that jumped at me as you sort of think about this, you know, the way that Kentucky was pitching the way they would use him, the way that he was worried about Duke's logjam there of talent and, and forwards and Zion Williamson uh, and having all those, I think, four top ten players committed or signed for Duke. Uh, and then they jumped out of something that, that about a month or so ago when I was working on a story about him, which was that Cal's pitch to him had been, you're not a want, you're a need. Um, and, it, and it sounds like they really hammered that message. And that's an unusual message for Calipari, who often talks about going into top players' homes, guys like Trey Young, and saying, you're not going to get to play the way you play, you know, want to play at Kentucky. You're not going to shoot it 30 times a game. You're not going to, you're not going to, you know, be the guy. You're going to be one of the guys and you're going to share. Um, you know, the, the tone of that message is a little different from telling a kid, we need you. Um, and so, uh, that that popped out to me today as I was thinking about what his coach was saying, you know, more recently. Um, and you know, what, that's that's kind of interesting because I went back and I actually listened to the podcast we did with Evan Daniels. I don't know; it's been probably three or four weeks ago. Um, and basically, you know, it was that was kind of flipped on its head because Montgomery was a post player, and Duke didn't have any post players, and they were going to lose Carter and Bagley. And so I thought we, you know, I kind of assumed that the post was a need. And Evan Daniels, you know, agreed to a certain extent saying that, you know, all these guys were come back in and I was listening and included Sasha Kalea Jones in that, who obviously is now transferred. But I, I do find it interesting that, you know, he thinks he's needed when Kentucky, in theory, could have a couple of fours back for next season. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting that shortly after he committed, Sasha Clea Jones transferred out. So the, they get a 6'10 McDonald's All-American, they lose a 6'10 McDonald's All-American. And I think the the general consensus I get from people that have evaluated both at, at their, in their high school careers and, and Sasha and through two years coming off the bench at Kentucky is that um, to a certain extent, E.J. Montgomery would be considered a, a you know, a Sasha Clea Jones with more upside. Um, and... Um, so they were going to probably compete for a role 
Um, you know, nobody I don't think is sold on Nick Richards, obviously. Um, I think there's at least some concern that Winion Gabriel um, may make a move of some kind just because, you know, he's been here two years and he's he's had a big role in both seasons and a, and a really big role last year, but he still he didn't start last season. Um, and he's not going to be a focal point type of guy at Kentucky. Uh, and if he wants that, he may – may make a move. I'm not necessarily ready to predict that, but I've, I have definitely felt some rumblings of that. Um, you know, so Sasha's gone, and, and I was told today that wasn't a reaction in Montgomery, that it was in the works for a week or more. Um, and so that may have been part of the deal, that, that they were able as a staff to go ahead and tell him, hey, this is going to happen soon. So that is one hurdle out of your way. Um, you know, Nick Richards is only going to play the five. He's not in a position to be versatile and play any other positions, you know, and then his high school coach said today, uh, and it sounds like this may be based on some conversations with Kentucky staff, you know, you could see a lineup where you have um, uh, PJ Washington, if he comes back at, at the three, because I think one of the goals, if you're PJ, if you come back is to show, okay, you showed you can be a dominant force inside as a kind of true power forward. Um, the NBA, as a six foot seven forward, is going to want to see that he can play away from the basket. He can shoot it and handle it and pass it. Um, maybe not great, you know, the best short term thing for Kentucky because I think he's best as a power forward. Um, but I think it would probably be part of the appeal if, if Cal's trying to talk to him about why to come back. Say, okay, we're going to let you show some of that stuff. We're going to let you play some at the three. Yeah. Um, well, you know, what, what I, I would do is I would I would play him at the three and then just let um, Emmanuel quickly play the five. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, 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 don't worry about it, PJ. You're, you're the you're the you're the three man. Just, well, why yeah, am exactly. I guarding the biggest? Don't worry about it. Yeah, you're the three. Yeah, we just give them a, just assign them numbers that that make them happy and let and then play them how you need them. But no, I do think we'll see some interesting lineups. And so he mentioned, you know, you could see PJ Washington at the three. Uh, and E.J. Montgomery as the stretch four, and Jared Vanderbilt as the five. And they were, you know, when Vanderbilt was healthy, the best they played was when Vanderbilt was playing at the five. Um, and then when Vanderbilt wasn't healthy, actually, the best they played was with with various big men was usually when Winion was the five, and he was a mismatch. He was being guarded by someone else's five, and then he was being able to run out there and uh, get open threes. Um, and so you can see some scenarios where you can mix and match and you have room to play, especially with Sasha gone. Now you have room to play, uh, EJ Montgomery and, 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 you know, for all we know, PJ or Jared Vanderbilt may have already made it pretty clear that they're going somewhere. And so they may be selling that as well. Um, but the coach did mention, you know, he said they hadn't gone guy by guy, you know, through the lineup with, with Kentucky's coaches about who they thought was staying and going. But, um, you know, his in his mind, the coach's mind, he felt like you know Gildas Alexander and Knox, obviously, who are now officially gone, were were going to go, uh, and Hamadou Diallo. But beyond that, you know, there's a good chance everybody else is back. And he said, you know, Vanderbilt can play multiple positions. PJ played the four this year, but he's more of a natural three, so it may help some of those guys to get to their more natural positions. Um, so it sounds like they've had, you know, they had some conversations with the staff about how this all fits and they were more comfortable with that, um, than the situation at Duke. And the bottom line is the kid wants to be a four and he thinks he's a stretch four. and uh, everything I would, I, I would bet good money that at, at the end of the day, whatever Duke has told Zion Williamson, Zion Williamson is a four. I mean, he's a, he's a college power forward. 
and you know, especially with uh, you know the number one, I think number one point guard in the class coming yeah. in for Duke, uh, and then you've got Barrett and uh, and and Reddish on the wings. Um, I mean that that's all that's left, and you know he's not going to play center. I mean maybe some in small ball lineups, but you know Zion Williamson is a four for Duke, and uh, you know and that was the guy that was specifically named by this high school coach as the guy who was making him uneasy about going there. And when you have kind of this, you know, uh, YouTube legend, this guy that, you know, everybody's comparing to LeBron in terms of like freakish athleticism and dunks, not as an overall player, but, you know, you've got this sort of um, superstar player and all the other players know it. Uh, and he he wants to play your position, the position you want at Duke. Um, that's a lot more worrisome, I think, for a kid than saying, can I beat out, you know, I don't know, Winyan Gabriel and Sasha and well, Nick and, Richards and and it would you know, be it guys. would be it would be a game by game thing with those guys because in theory he could like you know tag minutes steal minutes from right. all of those guys because they kind of rotate through the four, yep. three, four, five positions, all of them. And I guess yep. uh, with, with Duke, you're looking at two guys, you know, obvi- probably the number one pick in uh, the next draft after this one um, with Barrett. I mean, Cam Reddish, I think, won the MVP. Of the Jordan brand, and then um, Zion Williamson, as you mentioned, YouTube legend. Uh, they're already, you know, getting his write up ready for the Naismith Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, like those. And he's gonna play. He's gonna play thirty five minutes. A yeah, game. exactly. You know, he's exactly. In shape to do it. He's not. It's not gonna be a rotation. If if it's you and if it's you and Zion Williamson, Zion's probably getting the, exactly. the top billing. And so, yeah, I, I just think he's also versatile enough that, like you say. It could be on a game by game basis, but in general, he can probably expect major playing time, whether he's at the four or the five. Um, and you know, I, I think you know it makes some sense to me because there's just there's no guy um, in that group when you know you can mix. I mean, PJ is like, look, I'll take PJ Washington over just about anybody. Um, and then Jared Vanderbilt's a really good rebounder, but he's got health issues, and who knows what he's thinking about the NBA. Um, but, you know, for the rest, I mean, they're all kind of hit-or-miss guys. Um, and so I don't I don't think you you say, I can't play over these guys or play with these guys. And, and I, I, obviously that was, was his thinking there. All right, two more things to get to um, about guys potentially coming in and coming in. Um, I guess is. Since, as you mentioned, Gilgis Alexander announced he's going pro hiring an agent, is Ashton Hagen's reclassification and coming to Kentucky like basically done? It's just not official, not like yeah, not like silent yeah. verbal stuff. But <laughs> I mean, I mean maybe silent verbal. I mean it's it's. I think Kentucky feels really good about its positioning, um, you know, and I think it'll be probably done sooner than later. Maybe. Maybe by the time you listen to this thing, given the way the E.J. Montgomery thing went, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it could be by Tuesday morning. I, I think it very well could be on Tuesday. I, I would be almost at this point a little surprised if it's not done by the end of this week. Uh, I don't know if the reclassification part uh, will be, you know, known. That may be a, a nudge and a wink deal with Kentucky um, if this kid wants to you know, play on the EYBL circuit this summer uh, or whatever. So I don't even, actually, I'm not even, I think he's probably Nike, but I can't remember what shoe circuit he's on. Whatever it is, if he wants to play on the shoe circuit this summer, 
there's spring and summer they they may you know allow the charade to go on um because once you've made it clear you want to reclassify you can't can't do that anymore um and so um i don't know when the reclassification thing would probably come out but i i think that will ultimately happen and i think the commitment to kentucky is coming it just everything seems to be headed that way i think kentucky feels very good about its position with him. Uh, it's really interesting because then, you know, assuming he does reclassify, now you've got um, three point guards. And you've got five, you know, four slab, you know, five star slash borderline five star guards uh, next year. You've got Quad A Green coming back. Uh, you've got, and then you've got the four coming in. You'd have Ashton Hagens, who's a point guard. Quad A Green is a point guard. Uh, and uh, Emmanuel quickly is a point guard. And then you have, I guess, Kelvin Johnson. I'd really classify him more as a small forward. He's a wing. Yeah. Um, uh, but then Tyler Hero is a shooting guard. And, by the way, Jamal Baker, who set out this year and was considered a really, really good uh, three-pointer. So you've got six guards, all highly regarded in one way or another. Um, you know, five of them right on that five-star uh line all all five of them high school all americans because hero is the one guy who kind of got snubbed but uh he's made a name for himself in the jordan brand and he's going out to where you're headed um out to the um hoop summit hoop summit nike hoop summit gosh lost my mind there for a second um so i mean he's he's in that class of of elite guys hero is so um yeah they've got this super deep backcourt all of a sudden uh, especially when you think about if PJ Washington does, you know, come back and want to do spend some time at the three. Okay, so your threes are PJ Washington and Keldon Johnson, who are both just absolute dogs. Uh, I think Cal would love that for that to be his two deep at the small forward slash, you know, um, you know wing position, um, and then your guard guard, your kind of true guards, point and shooting guards. Are, are in some combination uh, quickly, Quad A Green, Ashton Hagens, all five-star guys, uh, and Tyler Hero, and Jamal Baker. Um, so you've got, you know, in Baker and, and Hero, really two really spot-up three-point shooters, and you've got three uh, point guards. Um, Quad A has proven he can play off the ball and play with other elite guards, and he's, he's content to do that. Uh, I think there'd at least be some uncertainty about what he does next. He, he might feel like he's been totally recruited over. Uh, I think without Hagens, he's coming back with Hagens. I think he, any reasonable person would have a decision to make there. Uh, and that would be very understandable. Um, but I think they could really use Quade because he's got, you know, he's got that kind of dog in him. Uh, he's a, a bucket getter at many times was their best three point shooter. Um, kind of inconsistent, but he had stretches, multiple stretches where he was their best three-point shooter this year. So, um, yeah, then they got a loaded backcourt. And, I, you know, like I said, I expect Higgins to pick Kentucky. I do think he'll reclassify. It'll be interesting, though, like, um, you know, it, it, were he to stay in the 2019 class, then you've got a great start to what could be a, a monster class for them. You get Higgins, you get – you've already got um, – uh, DJ uh, Jeffries, yes, DJ Jeffries, uh, who was a P- team Penny um, AAU kid and and plays near Memphis and in, in in Mississippi. Uh, without a doubt, Penny will try to sway him to Memphis now that he's there. 
um, but he's already committed to Kentucky. And then James Wiseman, the number one overall player in the 2019 class, who Penny is also very much going to try to sway there. He was not only a Penny AAU kid, but also transferred, moved from Nashville to Memphis and played for Penny this year on the Memphis East team that won the state title, led by James Wiseman. Um, so if you think about it that way, and then they're in on a bunch of other really good players, uh, Maxi and some other really good players in 2019, um, I mean, they could have, for all this, you know, talk about Duke and, you know, Cal losing and recruiting, they're going to end up with this terrific 2018 class. I think it's now moved up to number two in the country um, with uh, with EJ Montgomery, and then they're just in terrific position to crush the 2019 class, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, Kentucky's right back on top of the recruiting mountain with a little boost from uh, Jeff Cable leaving Duke and going uh, to Pitt to be the head coach. I think that helps as well. I mean, Duke hasn't signed a or gotten a commitment from a player since Cable's left, so I think yep. they're done. <laughs> and as I understand it, Cable was the lead guy on EJ Montgomery, and that yeah. may have also, you know, played a factor. He's he's gone, and now they're in a little bit of limbo. I've heard. You know, there's been buzz that can that that Duke basically backed off the kid, uh, but I think some of that may have been a sort of them thinking the same thing EJ was thinking, like, okay, well, how do these numbers work out? Do we really need all these forwards? Um, I don't know, but uh, but without a doubt, I mean, Duke, whether they backed off at the end or not, I mean, this was a guy Duke really wanted, Kentucky really wanted. Um, well, everybody you know, wanted him. He was the best player left in this class that yeah, wasn't committed. Yeah, exactly. Very, and, and by the way, was committed to Auburn. This was all oh, yeah. guy. For, by the way, what do you think about ago. this? What do you think about this idea, Kyle? Now, obviously, UK wouldn't do it because the people that make these decisions are, you know, classy probably and stuff. But I would, and we actually don't know this for certain because the schedule hasn't been out, announced. But in theory, there would be an Auburn return game this year. Them coming to Rupp. You put Tony Barbie and EJ Montgomery on the ticket uh, for that game. Say that one more time. When Auburn comes to Rupp, if they do, when the schedule gets released, put Tony Barbie and EJ Montgomery like back to back, like on the ticket. <laughs> With me mugging, posing for the camera. Maybe like paint their chests like Bruce did. Bruce Pearl did when he was at Tennessee. <laughs> well, that would certainly be trolling uh, <laughs> Bruce and company if Bruce is even the head coach when they come to town. Well, but that's that's the way my mind works. Do you know what yeah, you well, know what EJ stands for? Uh, no, I don't. Do you? I know the E stands for Ephraim. I don't know what the J stands for. Is it yeah, Ephraim no, or Ephraim? I, I, you're asking the wrong guy, buddy. I'll have to bone up on pronunciation of all these guys' okay, names so, and and shortened names. Is PJ Washington? Is that for Paul Junior? I think it's Paul Jr. Yeah, I think it's okay. Paul Jr. Uh, I, I guess that is. Well. he doesn't want uh, periods between his name, uh, which I didn't learn until a, a little, I think maybe until he was already at Kentucky after I'd written about him several times as a recruit. But, yeah, I mean, his father is, is Paul Sr., so. Okay, and that's your name lesson of the, of the week. Uh, finally, you caused, a, I think, a slight stir. I'll just say that. When you said on Twitter that UK could sang a <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's supposed to be snag but yes I, I sang as you meant meant as you just said you meant to say snag a grad transfer I mean what is the is that uh, only on the table if a couple more guys transfer or maybe some guys decide to go pro um, that are a little bit unexpected yeah, or 
I just, excuse me, I started hearing about that a couple weeks ago as a possibility, and that was before really anybody had made it as if an official declaration or or anyone had transferred out. I think, and and the the message I was hearing is Cal is tired of being this young. You know, he's he wants to make sure he has some veterans, and um, you know they're obviously losing one in Sasha Clea Jones, who uh, announced his transfer. Um, you know, in Ty Winyard, I don't, I don't think that really counts, but um, but they would like to age up a little bit, you know, and, it, and assuming Winyon stays, they're going to have freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and then maybe a senior, um, and, and that's kind of the right blend. You want to have that in a grad transfer. People have said, tweeted back, I mean, well, how is there going to be room or playing time or whatever, and, you know, these grad transfers are typically coming from a non-power, you know, conference team uh, looking to play their last year you know, up at the next level in the big leagues. And it's pretty appealing if you're, you have an opportunity to play at Kentucky on a Kentucky team that everyone believes is a, you know, final four slash national title contender. Um, You know, there's plenty of appeal there, even if they have a crowded roster and on Kentucky's end, you know, what do you get out of it? You get out of it, a guy who's played three or four years of uh, spent three or four years uh, playing college basketball, maturing his mind and body, uh, understands what it takes, probably understands the, the the work that it takes, the approach that it takes, and just being around guys like that, being around older guys helps younger guys, right? I mean, that's just natural. That if you know, in in every sort of organization, you know, you'd like to have some seasoned veterans who all the young talent can look to and say, okay, this is. I know, you know, I have the talent to do this, but this is the way to do this. Um, and that is, cannot be, uh, overestimated how valuable that is. And we saw how hard it was this year with the youngest team Cal's ever coached, a guy who's an expert at coaching young teams. This was his youngest team ever, the, maybe the youngest team ever in college basketball. And they had nobody like that to turn to. Winion Gabriel is the closest thing. And he was a play. He started 18 games in his whole career, you know, was a sophomore. That's, that's the closest thing they had to an older guy who knows what it takes. Uh, but all of a sudden, if next year you have not only sophomores, but a junior in Wenyan Gabriel and a senior grad transfer, you've got enough guys that know what it takes and what it, how to act and behave and how to use whatever talent you have and maximize it. That's, that's a big deal. And so I do think they'll, they'll still look to do that. I think, you know, if the right situation came along, regardless of who else they add or who, who does or doesn't go, um, there's the scholarship issue is not a problem. Uh, they started the year with 10, uh, or was it 11? Uh, 11. They've lost uh, two officially to the draft, two officially to transfer, probably one more at least to the draft, so that's five. So that puts you down to six scholarship guys. You're bringing in four, that's 10. Uh, maybe Ashton Hagens makes 11. That gives you still two more roster spots to play with. Um, hmm. In, in that situation. So, I mean, there's no reason not to add somebody like that if you can go go, go and do it. All right, we'll wrap, wrap up this podcast with that then, Kyle. I think that's that'd be interesting. And obviously what would end up happening would be uh, Cal Perry's words would come back to bite him when he was defending his... Yes, his... well, I mean, there's everybody's probably got that thing loaded up in the cannon to shoot back in his face about, you know, how he, he doesn't like the grad transfer because it screws over the little guy. And at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do. And, I hope he just—I you know, just hope I, he owns I, I would, that. I would, I would like him to just say, you know what, 
I got to take care of my program, and I'm sorry, but I'm yes, I'm going to poach you guys, even though I said I, you shouldn't. I was mad, and I was sticking up for my friend Bruiser Flint, who basically lost his job because Louisville took Damian Lee, and it was also a shot at Rick Pitino. Yep, double. And you know, like I, if he would just say that, I would that would be terrific because he had just two years earlier taken Julius Mays away from Wright State, um, and and didn't bat an eye about that. So. Um, you know, I think it was foolish for him to come out as hard as he did against grad transfers um, when, you know, there could come a time where you need it. And frankly, I believe uh, someone tweeted this to me, and I actually think it's right. I haven't double-checked it, so I'm, I'm going a little blind here. But someone t- replied to me that I think three out of the four teams in the Final Four had key players who were transfers. Um, That's I mean, the thing. I, I always thought he should be taking just regular transfers to a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, I think that like, they could work out, and I know, yep. obviously, he probably soured on the one that he did have because he often said, oh, this, someone held the team hostage, and it was pretty clear he was pointing Ryan to Ryan Harrow. Harrow. Yeah. But I think he— Well, that was—I mean, look, if he didn't do his homework, like, there was so much smoke yeah. with Ryan Harrow. People, people talked about Ryan Harrow. I, like, just that he was not the kind I, of I kid know. who was yeah, yeah. mentally ready to handle Kentucky. I mean, I heard, I, I heard that before he ever came to Kentucky. Uh, that I and and look, I don't really fault him because you get a five-star talent kid who who can do some ridiculous things, and you take a flyer on him because why not? Because you're going to have Marcus Teague for a second year. I mean, that's the problem. Calipari has run into is he can he just cannot count on anybody being a two-year player because Shay Gilgis Alexander happens or a kid makes a decision that's foolish like Marcus Teague who should have stayed in, in Kentucky is a much different team in the NIT year That's with a true. bulldog point guard. Um, he never expected Ryan Harrow to be a starting point guard, not for one second of a game ever. Um, and then he ended up with that because Teague left. Um, but, but no, I, I mean, look, honestly, the smarter way, the more efficient way to be a one-and-done coach is just load up on grad transfers because they're more proven commodities. They're more mature players. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you can't do that completely. But, I mean, to me, if you weren't really self-righteous about these grad transfers, uh, you could just say, screw it, I'm doing this, everybody's doing it, and I'm going to have every year I'm going to sign three five-star kids and two grad transfers. Every year, and they're all one and dones. But I'm always going to also have experience. Uh, I think that's brilliant, and you you take so much less risk because you know what these guys can do in college basketball. The grad transfers they prove they've they've got a three or four year body of work. Um, you know, you know what their bodies are. You don't want you're not projecting them either because like they've maxed out, right? They pretty much are what they are as fifth year seniors. And if you like what you see there, you take them and you get. You, you get something that you know what you're getting. And uh, I think it's really smart. I think like if you're looking for the right mix of youth and experience, every year you sign some some five stars and you sign some grad transfers. Good talk, Kyle. we got to end this one now because we got to record another one for Wednesday. And on the <laughs> Wednesday podcast, we're going to talk about guys that have left. Follow Kyle Tucker on Twitter at KyleTucker underscore SEC. Follow me on Twitter at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H, however and wherever you're listening. Actually, don't. Never mind. Don't subscribe. It's okay. Um, well, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>